1: Hello and welcome to Be Beer Podcast, episode 25. For the last time, I am your host, Raj Baines, and joining me is the next host, Rory Benson. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, should we get the show on the road? It's a international break, mailbag, one for the road. Let's do it. Let's it <laughs> off. Um, if we just fill in sort of what's happening at the club at present, um, they're in Marbella as is their one (laughs) present, Um, I think it's always important to sort of touch on why these trips come about, because I think it can seem as if it's just a jolly and um, they're doing so just because they want to go in the sun for a week and they've got the opportunity to. And while that may be the case at other clubs with unlimited funds where they can afford to do that sort of thing at a whim, it's... uh, it's not really the case for town. I mean, all the money's coming from Dean Hoyle personally. Mm-hmm. He's got to fund it. There has to be a reason behind it. And if he's not seeing results, then he's not going to do so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's you know they've been to Barbay before. It's worked for them in the past. If it works, Dean Hoyle's not you know he's not averse to to spending the money on it. If he finds it, if he thinks it's worth it, David Wagner obviously thinks it's it's very worth it. And you know it's it's shown in the past through results after trips away like this. So.
1: You've been on some of the trips that include the family as well, is it? How's the atmosphere there? Do you you automatically sort of uh, understand why they do it and do you sort of feel that there's a a warmer atmosphere and a sort of laid-back tone to it that may be bringing the
0: squad together? I've actually not been while the families have been there. You've not been on a family one? No, no, I've been... um, We went to Austria for the pre-season tour where there wasn't any families. Okay. Um, And then went to Hamburg... For the sort of mid-season friendly that they did earlier this year no families there either because they were in and out within 21 hours or something like that so no the the times that I've been there it's been very much focusing on football um especially Austria you know it was double training sessions every day and it was very much we're, we're here to play football there's not going to be any sort of distractions. Um, and then Hamburg, as I said, is just—it was such a whistle-stop tour that there wasn't any point for anyone else to come out. Um, the only actual family members I've seen was when, in the Austria tour, Michael Heffler's family came to one of the games to watch him uh, against Torino. Um, was his younger
1: brother there that now plays for Bradford? Yes, he was. I think. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's a fullback, he's, isn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah. But he's got two other brothers, I think, as well. Okay. Um, All his younger. His was there and his dad was there. His dad was dressed in like lederhosen and stuff. Like really? It. Yeah.
1: Can you see where the Heffalaya sort yeah, of? Exactly, the charisma, sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um But yeah, that's a, an important thing I think to, to touch on in terms of that. It's actually they, their first ever trip. Now that it's two years since David Wagner was to Marbella. I believe it's to exactly the same place in Marbella. It's somewhere that clearly means a lot to them as a club and as a unit because it, it represents that first week. It's actually something I spoke to both Dean and David about when I was writing the book about last season. And the way Dean tells it, it's it's something that David had taken from Jurgen Klopp and he'd spoken to him, sort of, you know, what do I do earlier on and, mm. and Klopp said to him, the best thing I've done. Um, since coming to Liverpool, is I went away and I took the families with me, and it's something that David tried himself. It's obviously something that has taken on a new life at Huddersfield. I'm not sure it's exactly the same sort of importance at Liverpool because their turnover of a player and yeah. everything is far higher, and and what have you. But it was one of those where you know somebody goes to Dean Oil and, and goes, I want 100 grand to take 50 people on a trip to Marbella or what have you, and he sort of sits back and goes. It's a lot of money, what, what's this for, sort of a thing. Um, but apparently, sort of, <clears throat> that first week was uh, where a lot of the ideas came in. It's where a lot of the training changed. Um, I spoke to David Threffor-Sykes, who said, I've seen so many different managers come here and take training sessions, and they're essentially variations of a theme. But when David and Christoph, especially came in and started changing mm-hmm. training, it was like they were they were going into intricacies and details at an acute level that we just previously hadn't seen. And he goes, even for me, it sort of piqued my interest. And he goes, I'm lucky enough to be around football, enough to have seen this, but it was something completely new. And, you know, all the players have said the same, like Mike Hudson really enjoyed the fact that before they did a training session, he would literally sit them down in a classroom. He's got a teaching background, David Wagner as well. Mm. Sit them down in a classroom, teach him the, the theory of what they were going to be doing, and then they'd put the practical into effect, and then they'd slowly drip feed more and more into that. So it's really interesting to see how that has come on, and it's clearly something he's continued doing. And I think, yeah, just as I say, it's, it's important to sort of get the idea across that these trips are actually helping the club move forward and mm-hmm. embedding new ideas, embedding new players, sort of becoming better on the field than just you know a piss up in Dubai or something like that. Yeah. If we move on to the mailbag section, though, because that is what the the main part of this episode is. We've got a lot of questions in, so thank you very much to everybody who listens to the podcast and has got these across. Um, and we'll go through them one by one and just uh, chat away as usual. No real structure because nothing's happened this week, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, international break is Standard. standard. Uh, first one, Rillian Rory, I'll let you jump into this one first. Um, which town players from the past do you think would get into the current team Marcus Stewart for me and maybe Chilwell or Drinkwater Boothie at his peak that comes from Paul Jacobs
0: yeah I think it's interesting to to think about Um, Chilwell although he was good at town I don't think he's an improvement on Chris Lever Um, even
1: with his Leicester City form
0: I think I think what Chris Lerver has done over the past year, I think you'd be quite harsh to leave him out of the team for someone for, for Ben Chilwell, who probably didn't he played about eight, ten games or something like that for Town. Less I mean. than I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, he
1: was there for just over a month.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Marcus Stewart, obviously a, an unbelievable striker, and that's probably I think him and Boothie would be the ones that would be the likeliest to get into the team because of the problems Town have of scoring goals at the minute. Um, who else?
1: If you uh, go back, the names that I listed down to are Ray Wilson, Mally Brown, Billy Smith, George Brown. The yeah. real you have to go back though to get the cornerstones yeah. of Huddersfield's biggest successes. Really, um, I think they would be Dennis Law. Did you have him in those? No, but that's an, another one to have. Yeah. So their players, you can imagine, if you yeah. could take them in the peak, obviously not now, but in the peak, then, yeah. Uh, you know, Peak movie in the Premier League would be a sight because essentially Lauren De Potra, but I was going to say with less hair, but a similar amount of hair, if we're being completely honest. <laughs> the watch is just not as forthcoming with it as Boobie was. Um, Drinkwater's an interesting one, because he came on loan. He wasn't fantastic. There was he's something not, there.
0: He's not an upgrade on Town Centre midfield at the minute for me. Uh, not even in Jonathan Hogg's place? No. You're giving a your place for Chelsea now? <laughs> no. I'd, Danny Drinkwater had one unbelievable season for Leicester. Yeah. And you can't take that away from him at all, but... He kind of now he's playing like Danny Drinkwater plays again. Okay, he had one season out of his skin, and I, I don't think if you could take Danny Drinkwater of that season, then you might sort of then you might have him in. But I think Ngolo Kante was more crucial to that Leicester side, right? Uh, and Danny Drinkwater's not going to get in ahead of Aaron Moy, and he's probably not going to get in ahead of Danny Williams or uh, Jonathan Hogg for me in terms of playing them together as a pairing as well.
1: Any temptation to bring back Ishmael Miller at all? <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Jason Davidson? Uh, no. <laughs> Jason Davidson, just uh, it's the world's easiest punchline, isn't it? Um, anyone else? Oh, seriously, I mean, in the recent history, I think the one that probably sticks out is Jordan Rhodes, but every time he's got to the Premier League, he's been sold back to the Championship again.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of feel for Jordan Rhodes, because I, I, I guess he hasn't really had a chance in the Premier League. And he's in purgatory, he, isn't he? He's one of those people who... You know, those strikers, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's a championship striker. But no one's actually taken a punt on him in the Premier League. So
1: Even Borough didn't play him because yeah, exactly. they brought in the Grado on loan. Yeah. So he's never really been given a proper chance. He's not been given a proper chance now at Sheffield Wednesday either. So. Uh, it's one of those where I think this is actually an interesting point is that there's a whole swathe of players who, from Towns promotion to the Championship, to their promotion to the Premier League, left... Saying that they wanted to go to a bigger club with a better chance of being yeah. in the Premier League, Clayton, uh, Norwood, uh, Cody, Rhodes—who's the other midfielder? Um Butterfield. Butterfield, yeah. So there's all these players that have done that and aren't there now, um, but Town are. It's it's an interesting point that sort of perhaps they had a bit more faith and stuck yeah. around a bit more than. Maybe they're kicking themselves a little
0: bit now. Yeah, I don't think Johnny Drinkwater is, though.
1: No. He was only on loan, in fairness. It's not as if he forced a move out of the club. He was only there temporarily anyway. But that's a good start. Thank you, Paul, for that. Uh, Next question is an interesting one. Uh, Do we miss Naki Wells as an impact player? Do you think Kachunga is up to it? And can the big lad up top give me a quote for an extension? That's from Dave Bolton. Um, I think it's... We started with the bricklayer talk for DePatre, but slightly disrespectful now given how good he is. I think he's overqualified for an extension at all, well, given that he's got a degree in civil engineering, so well, maybe at least can, you
0: know the wall's gonna stay up.
1: Yeah, he'll replan your entire street for you, but maybe the extensions a, a bit of an easy work for him. But um other than that, the the more serious questions, the town lack a player like Wells up front and is it if Kachunga up to it, maybe should Kachunga start coming off the bench and going up front as a bit of late spark up top?
0: I think Kachunga, you've, for me, you've got to play him on the right just because of the season that he had last year. Yeah, um, the
1: partnership with Smith as well. As, yeah,
0: exactly. It hasn't quite clicked this year, but they they obviously have a, a connection and uh, yeah. hopefully they can sort of pick it up and, and sort of get it back to how it was last year. Um, in terms of do miss Wells, I would say yes. Because I think he he is he brings you a different option up front if you, if you're going to play Kachunga on the right, um, I think he's he's a natural goalscorer, which I don't think Steve Mounier and Lauren de Poitras are. I think they bring more to the team than Wells, but in terms of finishing, Wells I would put in higher regard than them, um, and I think he's the kind of player. Who you can bring off the bench and who's likely to score you a goal. Um, sort of like how Dwight Gale used to be for Crystal Palace. He always seemed to, he was like top scorer for them two years in a row, but came off the bench every time and scored. Like Peter Crouch at Stoke as well, just one of those players who's different to whatever else you have. Yeah. Um, and causes different, or poses different questions for defences. Um, and, and I think if, Wells would do that for town if he was still there.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is if people are. Uh, uh, determined and somewhat curious about playing two up top, it would make sense to have a player like Wells about yeah. to be the second striker compared to playing De Poitre and Mooney together because yeah. then you really would have all your bases covered in terms of types of striker and players to play off each other mm-hmm. and would be a a far more natural partnership if if Mooney was the first receiver and then Wells played off the shoulder yeah, a bit higher. a little
0: and large sort of combination.
1: Exactly, it's a, a tried and tested format. It's, again, it's not one that I think David Wagner would be tempt, tempted by um, and I think the club did what it wanted to, to try and keep Wells at the club. There was an offer on the table. He obviously wanted more. They weren't prepared to go there, um, which is their prerogative. I mean... Um, we don't know how much he was asking for really. They were obviously the majority of last season's squad re-upped, signed new deals, obviously got their Premier League bonuses and mm. uh, I don't even think most of them will have had Premier League bonuses written into their contract. It was such a impossibility, but um, they got a Premier League bonus. They got the the sort of pay topped up and everything like that to be in line with a top flight football. I imagine there's a relocation clause in there though mm. that says yeah. you're going back down to this amount of money if we ever do get relegated. Um, but... You know we don't know what was there exactly, but it seems to be quite amicable between Wells and the club he didn't leave on bad terms per se
0: no I think the the move happened at the right time for both parties yeah he naki obviously wanted out um he was coming towards the end of his contract as exactly well, so. yeah and he was he he hadn't signed a new one in the summer and I think the club thought right well if we're gonna sell we need to sell now to get as much money for him as possible uh I think it suited wells probably to leave as well because the club was spending money on strikers brought in De Poitre and Mounier and, you know, Naki would then become third-choice striker and, you know, as a footballer, you want to play games. Um, so, yeah, I think it made sense, but it would have been nice to keep him as that sort of third option and some, someone who's very different to Steve Mounier and, and uh, Lauren De Poitre. I don't think
1: he'll have been happy with third option. No, you? no, uh, I don't think given so. Given he'll be, what, fourth at Burnley, maybe? Chris Wood, Sam Vokes... And there's the other one He'll be who's... Up in front of Sam Vokes. Surely. Oh, did you see his header at the weekend?
0: Yeah, but it's Sam Vokes. Yeah, but Dice
1: <laughs> loves him. If there's a if there's a huge crap footballer to be played, Sean Dice will play him.
0: True. I think I'll start, <laughs> I think Bernie will start playing two up front though with one of the big guys in Wales.
1: In a sort of Andrea Gray type well, yeah. yeah. Um. Next question. Um. What is Jones Pie's best play ever? And uh, who do you hire to replace Wagner at the end of the season if he does come to leave? Two very different questions on
0: (laughs) opposite uh. ends of the
1: scale from Gordon Sinclair there. Thanks for that, Gordon. Um, If we start with the easy one, uh, Jones Pies. Well, I say easy, but... Chicken ticket. Really? Oh, yeah. I'd go for steak every time. No, mate. Can't
0: beat a curry pie.
1: No, I always go for the, the steak one for me. It's just a...
0: I mean I love all types of pie <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there now um, if
1: Jones Pies want to s- send us a box to the office sponsorship yeah sponsorship, uh, yeah, sponsorship.
0: B 52 and pies that's yeah. what we
1: want and MB town planning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> between the three of them uh, we've got us town planning as <laughs> food and as drink and we'll be fine uh, but <laughs> maybe we can try and get uh, Laurent de Poitre, a sort of a role at MB town planning given that he's got a civil engineering degree <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, if we take the, the serious one now, you're going for ticker, I'm going for steak. We're not fighting over the that's pies the at the end of the day, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Next one's slightly less important, but uh, if David Wagner does come to leave at the end of the season, who do you replace
0: him with? Oh, that's It's a, a really tough one, because mm. I think the club will, will look at probably someone that no, no one's really ever heard of before again. I think they'll do their research and they might get someone from Germany again because it would it would suit, rather than having to change the full philosophy again, it would suit to bring someone in who has that sort of style. Um, so I think you're looking at German German head coaches again. Um, I can't the ideal say, I scenario would be
1: to, I think, to try and keep Christoph Buhler, wouldn't it? But he, that's unrealistic because I think he has such a... A close relationship and working relationship with David Wagner though. I think if
0: David Wagner leaves he'll he'll take Christoph Budd with him. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It'll be it'll be an interesting one. I could see Andrew Hughes staying on as first team coach at Huddersfield. I could see Mark Hudson getting a bigger role in the sort of backroom staff. Uh but in terms of head coach, I think you're looking in you're looking at a German head coach. I can't say that I know particularly many of them, and I think whoever Town bring in, it'll be Someone who will have to do quite a lot of research on. I don't think it'll be a, a household name really that comes in. Um,
1: it's interesting because um, Dean Hall was on Radio Leeds last night and he alluded to the fact that he believed if time were to stay up that David Wagner would remain at the club. So I think mm. it's, it's one of those where I think the attitude at the club at present and what I've gauged previously is that. For as long as this fairy tale continues, David and Dean want
0: to ride out as much of it as possible together. Yeah, I think I think the trouble comes when a bigger club comes knocking. They've so come say, knocking before, though. True, but say you you stay in the Premier League for a season, and then like say Everton come along and say, you know, we want a new manager at the end of the season. David Varner will, you know, pay you this amount. Blah blah blah. I think at that point there might be, there'll definitely be a conversation between Wagner and, and Hoyle if that happened. Um,
1: Do you think he'd go and be direct rivals with Jürgen Klopp across the Stanley Park?
0: Yeah, I think he'd absolutely love
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd both absolutely love it. But I think they, the fans wouldn't, would they? Their managers being best friends, I don't think that's going to no, sit, probably well. sit that well. Although they are known as the friendly derby, isn't it? So maybe it would. Who knows? So. That's, a, that's a thought for another day, but I think yeah. I agree with you that it'd be someone slightly more left field. I think it it could be somebody from, if there's somebody who comes into a championship and does really well towards the top end of it, then it may be somebody like that. Um, but I imagine it will be foreign again. It will be somebody who has a a better understanding of the sort of tactics and things. Yeah. that,
0: that the club It's not gone. going to be an English manager. I think the club's come too far down this path to then... Reverse what they've been yeah. doing and say, "All right, we'll bring in Sam Allardyce or someone like that." Maybe, it, yeah, I think it'll be. A, I think it'll be a German. I just think they've the, only, the only the only
1: Englishman they will like. uh, the next English manager at town. If there was a better market for it, I'd put my money down on Mark Hudson, I think he's been moulded for the role. Uh, and that would be my guess. Maybe one or two appointments at time. Three mm-hmm. or four years down the line, when it comes to the point where he's ready to take over, I think that would be the the thought.
0: Yeah, I can see that happening. Um, you would just hope that he gets that David Viner would stay a bit longer then and give Mark Hudson. I can as much see time him saying next
1: season. I think keeping them in the Premier League is one thing, establishing them in the Premier League is another. And if he does both of those, then his stock won't have fallen at all, and the job opportunities he's getting. <laughs> Will still be there because big clubs always need coaches. Um, so it's been an interesting one. I mean, uh, I've said previously that he's not the type of manager that I wouldn't see getting an opportunity at, at maybe in Arsenal when it's time for Wenger to go or, or Tottenham if Pochettino ever takes a, a bigger role elsewhere. So mm-hmm. there are a huge jobs there. They're two of the biggest clubs in the country. There's one, obviously, that's a, a preference compared to the other, but. Uh, you'd imagine that he'd be in the conversation.
0: Yeah, I think I think Arsenal would be one where he'd fit in. I think that it would also. I think wherever he goes, he's got to go in the summer. Yeah, yeah, he needs not, time not next summer. Maybe in a few summers' time, but he needs that full preseason. Yes, and I think he'll know that he needs to do that. So there won't be a rush in January if someone sacks a manager and they they're like David Wagner, do you want to come in? Because I feel like. Obviously, when he first came to town, he kept them up, but you really saw the massive difference after that full preseason yes. that he had and brought in his own players. So, I think wherever he goes, whether it be next summer or in two summers' time or however long, it it will be in the summer. And I think it'll it'll probably it'll be pretty shortly after the season, so that he can yeah. move on to somewhere and, and build a team like he has done at Town.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree with that one.
0: The uh, next question,
1: um, do you think Steve mooney has settled at the club? He seems to always look sad. That's in inverted commas. Uh, no better way to describe it. Is that frustration at not playing or something more? And that is from Judy Calvert.
0: I, cu- I couldn't tell you if he'd settled well or not. Um, I know what you mean. He's not a particularly smiley person when, no. when he's around the training. I've team. seen
1: him behind the scenes as well. and He's exactly the same sort of demeanor. Yeah,
0: I'd, I think maybe... It might, it might be a language thing as well. Yeah. Um, he obviously is sort of learning English as he as he plays for town, so mm. it might be some sort of... a bit of sort of lost-in-translation sort of things in there and that kind of thing, but... He's a young you lad understand? away from
1: home as well, so it might yeah. just be him guarding himself, being a bit shy and, yeah. and little things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: not everyone's going to come to a club and be Michael Heffley, I think. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. I, th- I, I don't know. I think he's... Uh, I think, he, you know, everyone's going to need time to settle. He's 23. He's going to, you know, it's going to take him a bit of time to settle, especially because it's the first time playing football in a foreign country, sort of outside of France. Um, so, yeah, no, I, th- I think... The injury he, wouldn't have op- helped. The injury wouldn't have helped. And also the fact that Lauren de has played well probably wouldn't have helped because that means he's not getting the game time, which he probably thought he would.
1: I imagine he would have been of the opinion and of the thinking that, even though he was injured, he would have come straight back into the team. But because the yeah. Poitre has, you know, exceeded expectations to such a great level, it's not going to be as easy for him to win that jumper back. And I think that's fair. I think, you know, if it was the case that he was for some reason upset by that, I think that'd be entirely unreasonable on his
0: behalf. I think he'd no, have to. I do know. I think footballers want to play games, so I think I think you're allowed to be upset when you're not playing games. But there's a way to win you, you, your shirt you ex- back,
1: though, isn't there? You don't choke.
0: Yeah, but I'm not saying that he is sulking. I'm saying that you can be upset and then you put the the shift in on the training ground to win that shot. Like Chris Lever did when uh, uh, Scott Scott Malone Malone. came in. You know, he said after the Man United game, like, yeah, I made made mistakes at Swansea, but I wanted to prove to the manager on the training ground that I was still the right person for the position. Hmm. And he did that. And I think what we've seen with David Wagner and Dean Hoyle's recruitment over the last 18 months is that they bring in characters, and I don't think they would have brought someone in who would sulk or would, you know, they they bring in robust characters who can deal with criticism, who can take it on board. David Vaughan is very truthful in his assessment of some of players, like after the games, and they wouldn't have brought someone in who can't handle that, um, you know, as they've done with with every other position on the pitch.
1: Yeah, I think I go along with that. I think they, I think. The, there's nothing wrong with the um with the observation that he's clearly not the smiliest bloke in the world, but there are some people that just aren't. Mm-hmm. I think that just may be his natural demeanour. I think it'd yeah. be given how how soon he is into the club it'd be a bit much to, to read into that and put too much weight onto it. Yeah. Although it's clearly is the case. I mean if he comes back from Benin he's fully fit and he does start getting opportunities in the team again, I can't see him not scoring and as soon as he starts scoring again, I'll be happy again. I think that's yeah. the that's the long and short of it.
0: I think as well, we got some training photos last week, and he he was smiling in them and having a joke. So maybe on a match day, it's also about getting focused and things like that. Um, whereas he might be more relaxed yeah. away from the fans and away from sort of the cameras and that kind of thing on the training ground.
1: Exactly, I think that's probably the fairest way to go about it. Uh, next question: Sean Jarvis is he now the unofficial unofficial face of the club besides Wagner? And assuming town stay up, what should the club stadium invest in next regarding facilities and infrastructure? He votes seat and players, which positions? And that is from J hyphen SH on Twitter. So if we take the first half of that, yeah. is is Sean Jarvis now the unofficial face of the club?
0: Pretty much. I think it's just because on Twitter he's very active, isn't he? And, yeah. and he likes to interact with the fans, so yeah, I'd go along with that, pretty much.
1: How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, he's a really nice guy. I'm <laughs> a big fan of his, so yeah.
1: He does seem to do a lot more of the customer-facing stuff, and I think that probably helps with being commercial director, because you need to be seen in the community yeah. and everything yeah, to absolutely. do that job. Um, Dean Hoyle's slightly more reserved and sort of in the background that I think that's the way he wants to do it I think when he first took over the club when he was at Card Factory one of the things that was you know something in the back of his head was that did he want the profile of being a football club owner and in the end it became sort of a a burden to do it rather than sort of a want he he felt as if it was something he had to do given the state of the club at the time Mm -hmm. um obviously he's gone on to great success and he's far happier about the situation now than maybe he was at that point uh but I think yeah that's it's probably a fair assumption. I think it's one that you know works for the club and the way the club is set up. Dave Wagner's obviously a massive personality and one that's there, but as we've just discussed, there's a finite amount of time on how long he's at this football club. Mm. And that's just the the truth in the matter, whereas Sean Jarvis has been here for, what, 10 years even more? So he knows the club inside out. He's probably going to be here for a long time coming because of the amount of yeah. work he's doing. So it'd be good to have that consistency and that sort of knowledge of somebody there yeah and
0: it also helps the club on the commercial aspect for him to be sort of visible to everyone yeah um obviously they've got the huddersfield 100 now and things like that and it's that's kind of the thing. yeah and that's kind of the thing that is it only 100 people that got those badges no it's the 100 huddersfield hundreds the 100 sort of sponsored
1: yeah i know but in terms of badges as well oh i don't know i don't know who got the badges because i want one and that's sort of why i was asking if it's limited I Me and Rory want badges, Sean, if you're listening. So, if you can send them into the examiner, Robert, more sponsorships. Yeah, we we, we we can't offer you any money. Uh, I can offer you 25 episodes of the podcast that are in the bank. Rory will continue, but can we have a H badge, please? Um, I'm just going to start asking for things egregiously now because it's my last one. Uh, what have we already asked for? <laughs> just everything, man. Jones pies, Beer and, a badge. and pies, yeah, and badges, yeah, please. Uh, and some town planning, and some town planning, yeah. If we start at, can you imagine how what a poor excuse of a town it'd be if we were ever put in charge of something? Uh what was the second half of that question? Assuming town stay up, uh, I think that's a fair assumption at this point in time. Yeah. yeah. You did some maths, didn't you, and worked I did. out uh, I watched you <laughs> Jesus Christ, I could hear the cogs turning from yeah, the other side of the it office. Was
0: horrendous. <laughs> and B in GCSE maths was coming in and useful there. So what was what was the conclusion to that math? The conclusion was that since the Premier League began only three teams have been relegated after taking 15 or more points from their first 11 matches which was Burnley in 2009 Norwich in 94-95 and Middlesbrough in 92-93 and of the 29 teams that of the 29 teams that actually accumulated 15 points from their first 11 games only one of them was relegated which was early two
1: thousand nine, ten. Okay, that's good. Maths. Good to know. One start th- attack. Yeah, start attack. Um, what was the question? Assuming town stay up, what should the club, stadium, invest in re- facilities and infrastructure, he says, new seats, and players, which positions? If we take the first half of that first, so that's the second third of this question, uh, what facilities and infrastructure does the um, team need to...
0: I think they should, I don't know if this will happen or or anything, but I think they should buy the stadium, they should buy out. That was
1: exactly what I was yeah. going to say. I actually think that's something that they've maybe not had formal discussions about, but internally has been discussed because we know the shares agreement, we know what a palaver that was yeah. uh, going back, uh, not to dig up old uh, issues or anything, but essentially the 40-40-20 the split between... Yeah. The Giants, the club, and the KSDL. KSDL um, Huddersfield Town are the overarching main tenants of that yeah. ground. Far and above any council or concerns. Definitely above anything the Giants have with the three men and the dog that go and watch them. That's probably disrespectful, but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, and uh, the fact they only get 40% of the profits out of something yeah. that they're Hundred yeah. percent of the cost for it is if ridiculous.
0: They, they, if they bought out the other shares and then and then just took the hundred percent profit, you know, it wouldn't take long for that to pay off. What no, you would be paying th- the state.
1: well, if you think about the, all the investment they made on top of what they should be doing, all those uh, grass heater lamp things that are yeah. there to improve the pitch, all the infrastructural changes that have taken place this summer have all been footed by the club. Yeah. The amount of stuff that they put in, it's an uneven tendency, and they deserve to own that stadium in my opinion. I mean, it may be it may be a case where it goes to sort of 80-20 between them and the council or something just so that the town is still getting something out of it and I don't imagine that's something that the club might be against because obviously mm. there is the gym there and there are still community things and we know how important the community is to the football yeah. club. But even where rugby league is concerned and you know rugby league is a sport I've played my entire life it's I'd probably say it's my favourite spot, even ahead of football even though I spend the majority of my time writing about it the Giants would be far better served if they built a 10 to 12,000 seater in Fartown and yeah. they could take 100% out of that and they wouldn't be playing in a ground that's too big for them and they only filled up 10% of because it's it, it, it looks bad for them on a match day. If They're yeah. ever on Sky, and ninety percent of the grounds that's empty, just
0: that's just rugby league though. In general, isn't it? Now it's just the attendances are falling all over the place. So.
1: Well, it depends because the the clubs that have stadiums that are the correct size for them, yeah, then true. it's fine. It's only the the clubs that are playing in stadiums that aren't, you know, appropriate for rugby league. If you have a stadium that's between ten to twenty thousand, and you've got a club of the appropriate size. Then it's fine. The atmosphere is better. If you have got somewhere like Headingley, which is, given the changes and everything, is floating anywhere between eighteen to 22,000, 24 mm-hmm. at a push. That stadium's 80 90% full every other week. And it's fantastic. It's better off for it. But when the Rhinos go and play at Ellen Road and what have you, obviously that dwindles because it's, it's far harder to fill somewhere that's twice the size. Yep. And that's the same problem that the Giants have you know far towns are, the far town ground is not standing it is somewhat dilapidated but the cost it would take probably you know the money they're given to pay their shares out or what if they yeah. reinvested those built a small community ground for themselves in that area at a small you know an appropriate size then they would be better off town would be better off and the entire sort of community of the place would be better off and uh, I think if Town stay up then that is an inevitability in my opinion
0: I think so too I Uh, think that's it just makes the most sense doesn't it I think it's obviously players as well but I think that's in terms of out off the pitch um, that's probably the the next thing to do for Town
1: yeah I think that's sort of the next big infrastructural change I know they're they're extending Canal side at present aren't they they've just got planning permission to do that so there's clearly concerns, thoughts, and concerns for them in terms of what they're going to do. And one of the things that I remember David saying to me is that, in many ways, they're still a championship club, and I think this is one of the ways that they become a Premier League outfit, yep. sort of one hundred percent across the board. Um, and I know it's something, having spoken to high-ranking people within the club, that is isn't something they've ignored or not thought about. Because if you imagine that, you know, you're paying that amount of money to do something yep. to something, and you're only getting forty percent back out of it. You wouldn't be uh, too amused, especially with HD one down the line and everything. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's not going to great, but you know, <laughs> on the on the reverse of that, I'm not sure how uh, excited everyone will be to getting another discussion about stadium shares again. Mm. It's been ten years. Let's go and do that dance again. <laughs> um, and on the playing side, uh, he says new seats. Does that just mean the seats look a bit old at the minute, the plastic yeah, seats? Yeah, a
0: bit bad, aren't
1: they? Premier League money, man, just buy some new seats in yep. the summer. <laughs> um, if you can afford that gantry and the heated seats, then a few plastic ones can't be too much more than the clappers and the plastic bags that are there yeah. every week. Players, which positions would you think about? This is something, again, that Dean Hoyle uh, touched on on the radio last night. He said that they probably wouldn't be my new strikers because they have two fantastic options, but they have identified other areas and they're all over them like a rash, I believe is the di- direct quote. Yeah. Where do you think he is and his manager is uh, targeted?
0: I think uh, centre-back. Okay. I think they'll get another centre-back just for depth. Right. I think you'll be it'll, you'll be looking at someone of a similar age to sort of Stankovic, mm-hmm. someone that they can sort of blood into the first team, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, I think you're looking at a number ten. Yeah, definitely. Because they have two number tens in Casey Palmer and, and Sabiri, but Sabiri's not been anywhere near the squad recently. Casey Palmer's injury prone, so they need a, a new number ten. Um, and then ha- that gives you two people in That means you can afford to have Tom Ince as a winger. Yeah. Um, So he gives you another option sort of there. Another right winger, possibly, um, in that position. Although you've got Ince, Van La Parra and Kachunga who can all play on either wing. I think you probably need one more in there. Yeah. Um, Apart from that, I think you're doing okay. Uh, To be honest, uh, again, maybe a younger striker, someone who, you know, from... An academy somewhere or something like that. Someone who's young and hungry, and someone who's not going to play every game, but you know, will bring you that other option, sort of a pacey young striker to bed in again, like the centre back. Um, but I don't know if we'll get that.
1: No, I agree with the positions you've uh, you've identified. I think the first band of midfielder fairly settled. I think there's enough people there. Both full positions seem to be fairly well settled. Centre-back's definitely an area. There's more goalkeepers than you can count. Number 10's obviously an area. I think forward is one that if they identify somebody they can bring in, they probably will, but it's not a priority. Yeah. And again, it'll be wing and 10. So I think that's those pretty much answer themselves. I don't think you need to be a director of football to recognise no, yeah. um, where those issues lie. Uh, the next question, it's an interesting one. This is probably one that... You can uh, answer better than I because uh, it's more interesting. But as a journalist covering town, what does your match day entail? And that's from Matt Shaw. Do you want to answer that first, or shall I? Yeah,
0: yeah, can do. Um, we obviously run the live blog every week. That goes up about five hours before kickoff. Um, so if it's a home game, I'll do that from home for the first sort of two and a half hours. If it's an away game, someone takes it in the office for us while we drive there. Um, for a home, well, for both matches, probably try and get to the ground two or three hours before kick-off, um, take over the live blog, get some sort of pictures and that kind of thing, see if anyone's knocking around and, you know, talk to other journalists and players if there are any there. Um, and then it gets to an hour before kick-off and there's, that's when you get the team news. Uh, so for the team news, it's, it's all about sort of getting stuff out as quickly as you get it so uh, obviously find the team tweet it put it on the live blog get it on facebook that kind of thing uh, we always do a facebook facebook live after that as well discussing the the team and the changes that have been made um, and then from then it got it's pretty hectic um, obviously kickoff, i run the the live blog which we just try and update as, as often as possible obviously it's sometimes it's quite hard because either five things have happened in a minute and it's very end to end or nothing's happened in the net, in two minutes sort of thing and you're kind of saying "Oh, they've got the ball but they're doing nothing with it sort of thing um, half time comes around bit of analysis at half time another Facebook live video uh, and then on to second half pretty much the same um, and then after the game, that's when you, we just need to turn around as much of the stuff that we've got as possible. So, Blake does the, the player ratings and the match report uh, and also the talking points from the match. I turn around the run of the ball sort of mini match report um, and then head down to the press conference room in the bowels of the stadium uh, and listen to David Wagner and whoever the opposition manager is sort of doing that. Um, and then it's all about just wrapping up and recapping. And then, uh, yeah, back home, probably two, three hours after the final whistle. Not everything? yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and then there's there's also the mixed area afterwards as well, where the players walk through, so try and get interviews with the players there, um, multiple cups of tea, pie at half time. Is that where you get your ticket as well? Huh? Is that where you take it? Yeah, or? yeah, definitely. Well, I make Blake get it for me and bring it. <laughs> in.
1: What's the uh, What's the food like at the stadium? Has it got better this year?
0: Yeah, th- I mean, last year there wasn't any food. There was pies. a pie. There was a pie. That was it. This year, it's sort of. I think last time we had a. It was like a beef stew with Yorkshire puddings and Ooh. stuff like that before the game. It was. It was nice, and then there's a pie at halftime as well. Sounds all right. And biscuits. And get tea. fed for your wares. Yeah, yeah. only Premier
1: League though, not in the Championship, no. only in the Premier League. Money goes further up here. Yeah. Uh, my match day routine is I wake up about uh, an hour and a half before kickoff. Uh, have a shower, wait for my mate to pick me up, <laughs> we drive to the ground, we get a pint, I go into the Kilner Bank, have another pint, maybe get a pie, uh, watch the game from the comfort of my own season ticket seat, roll out have another fine <laughs> you can go home maybe tweet about the game once or twice during and then i write about it on the flip side but on in truth me and Rory very different types of football journalists Rory does the the news and the stuff as it happens the match reports uh, live blogs reporting, books, really, reporting. Than, yeah. um, I think it's probably the line where we're divided is you're a reporter and I'm a writer yeah I do the more feature length stuff and sort of put into context and longer terms of sort of what's happening in the game and, and do a far more reflective analysis of it whereas you will do at the time and yeah, break the, the news and sort of thing, yeah. things like that it's just two different disciplines that are part of the same job but it's why we're both part of the same team essentially because we from yeah. different bases um, and that's why I can get away with not working match days and, and you know going to away games as I choose and going to the home games with my friends and whatnot. It's it's a nice perk of being on the side of it that I do, but yeah, um, you know that's the difference between yeah, no but,
0: Bournemouth away for you in the next week. Uh,
1: not if I don't want to. No, no. <laughs> if I want to avoid that trip, then I can. But yeah, you it's know, going to be a horror. One. Go and sit in the the home end at Wembley, perhaps, and and still get work out of it. Will be you know the type of thing that I do. So it's fantastic. I mean, in all honesty, when I bought my season ticket with my friend a few years ago, I I had no intention whatsoever to ever write about Huddersfield just because it was a club that there really at the time wasn't much to write about other, other than managers changing hands and players coming in and out you know we started going regularly just before Lee Clark came in mm-hmm. um so obviously it's been a, a busy part you know area of the club and, and time and their history since Dean Hoyle's come in and we sort of timed our um following of the club at at that time because the lad I go was a big town fan I mean as people know listen to this I'm not as much although I obviously have sympathies Um, the you know that has emerged into you know what it is now and sort of it's really hard to ignore when you see David Wagner come in and all the the things that have changed as a professional to go I really sort of want to get me teeth sunk into this and make sense of it in terms of writing and analysis. Mm-hmm. And that seems to have borne fruit. So I'm very pleased with that in a, a selfish perspective. But uh, uh it's different. You know, it's interesting for me to find out what you're doing on a match day as well with the report and everything. Because yeah. although it's something I've done before, it's not something I've particularly enjoyed or done as much in terms of volume as you have, just because it's, as I say, we do we do different versions yeah. of the same job.
0: No, I think I'd... uh I can't complain about, about the job. It's great. I love watching football and, and that kind of thing. I do like watching football with a pint, though. Um, and you can't do that, obviously. you It'd be working.
1: interesting if um, if we'd have thought about this earlier. We could have done a piece where we did a job swap for the day. I went and did your job. You did and did mine. You had to come up with a feature after the game, come up with a thousand-word feature, and I had to follow it live. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be different for both of us because be, I think yeah because we I think we watch and think about the game differently because I'm watching the game and thinking about larger themes of what's happened over this amount of time is this an example of this happening you know one piece I'm currently thinking about writing is the fact that. I think Jonathan Hogg is perhaps the most underappreciated member of the team just because he's taken for granted because what he does is no frills and the amount of times we're told, oh, Danny Williams is better than he is or what have you, I think it's it's, it's somewhat underserving of what, what he's done over the past two seasons when David mm-hmm. Wendland has come in. So I'd essentially look for other examples of that, flesh it out, look for wider context and build an argument that would go over the course of sort of, at the very least, 700 yeah. to 800... to With thousand words whereas i don't think you'd ever do a news piece that went over 300 500 max
0: yeah well it's just reporting isn't it i think yeah the the skills that i guess that i got taught during my journalism training it was get the information in as concisely as possible yeah um and that's just that's that's what i'm good at yeah um yeah that's you know that's why i'm a reporter i couldn't a thousand words is just a lot of words.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, the only longer form stuff that I do really are the jot form, the shorthand. Oh, the short form. That's what it's that called, kind yeah. of thing, yeah. They're
1: really good though because it's got all the pictures and it's sort of a, yeah. It's almost like a comic book story of yeah, how the season's yeah. gone. It's a nice platform
0: to use. Yeah. I really enjoy. But they them.
1: really work well because the fans seem to be receptive to them as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you can. I think the the worry that we had was overusing them. Yeah. So I think trying to keep them to a minimum. I think we've only done two. Yeah. Did one for Shankly's 60th anniversary of taking over from town and also for when they got promoted. Yeah. of the season. Yeah. So I think that was a... a I think that's a worthwhile
1: time to uh, acknowledge. You know, some people might stretch it and write a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: That's overkill for me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) ticking ticking a mic, isn't it? Next question... Um, why isn't Joe Lolly in Marbella with the first team and what's happened to Sabiri? That's from Chris Beaumont.
0: Um, Joe Lolly... There's think... a
1: family bereavement, I believe, isn't there? Yeah, that? yeah. Uh, but he's due to join up with the team yeah.
0: afterwards. it was personal issues, wasn't yeah. it, that that he wasn't. So it's not like he's just been left. No. Um, and what was the second question? Uh, Sabiri. Where's Sabiri, yeah. Uh, he's gone with them. <laughs> uh, he, he, is, he is alive. Um, I don't know. It, it's a strange one because... I saw him play in Hamburg, that that's the first game yeah. I saw and he he was ju- he ran the show, basically. Mm. Him he was him and Lauren de Poitra were linking up really well. Um, he obviously has a bit of class about him, he can pick a pass. Um He gave the assist for the Leicester goal as well. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I think he's he's gonna have a role to play for town. Maybe his fitness isn't quite there yet. Um I don't know. Maybe David Rahn wants to sort of save him a bit and, and make sure that he gets up to speed before throwing him into another game.
1: My guess would be that because of the manner in which he plays, he is—he reminds me of a very early Casey Palmer in that rather than playing the easy ball, he's going to go for the harder one, and rather than passing the ball and running on and taking it back. He'd try and not make three people and score Maradona's goal against England every other week when mm. there are far more efficient and, and smart ways to play. And I think that's perhaps a reason that's been held back is that although you don't want to beat the flair out of a player in the Premier League, you can't afford to be losing the ball yeah. and to be doing that sort of thing. There's almost a an Adelterrapp uh, typed typed it's after you said to it starts uh, coming in adult to rap type sort of uh, mentality with him that he needs to sort of maybe pick and choose his moments a bit more and maybe that's why he's he's been less used it's because
0: yeah. he's think, just training him I think also there's been Man United and Liverpool have been sort of <laughs> yeah. the last three games and he's not a player you're going to start against those teams no. um, but it would be interesting to see if he plays at Bournemouth I think you'll see him in the squad probably yeah Um and then he might, you know, come on and weave a bit of magic at the end, sort of thing. Um, but I think next, I think next start he'll get it'll be a home game and it'll be against one of the lesser clubs in inverted mm. commas. Well,
1: he did join later than most of the new signings, yeah. so he is definitely further back along the lines yeah.
0: of. Well, he joined. Was it two days before or after? Florent I yeah, and I think Hadouj and I had his first start at the weekend so maybe we're seeing them sort of hitting their stride now yeah, and, yeah. and uh, being at match match fitness
1: Yeah, I would agree with that um, I think that's everything on that question uh, Steve Mooney uh, is expected to be fully fit after the break so is it going to be De Poitre, Mooney or both and that's from Dave
0: It's not going to be both No, David Viner won't play two up front No, it's definitely um, not I think it will be, I think at Bournemouth, it'll be De Poitre. Um, I think he's played too well to take the shirt off him. I think the emphasis, the earnest is now on Steve Mounier to prove that he deserves that shirt. Um, So if De Poitre doesn't have the best game at Bournemouth, Mounier comes on, scores two goals, then he gets the shirt the next game. And I think it's going to be very much... You're gonna to have to work hard to knock the other one out of the team. Basically, I think they're both they've both proven that they've got skill and they've got things to offer town. Um, scored it's the same amount of goals. Scored they? the same amount of goals, and it's gonna be it's gonna be just based on purely merit now from now on. I would say.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it develops. Cause I think it's a a bigger test for both of them, and I think it's gonna draw out better performances and and sort of. You know, test who's got the better attitude and yeah. better application and everything, and I think you know that's the reason why you want um, competition inside is because the more of that you have, the the better the players are as a result. Yeah. And if the players uh, aren't better for any reason, you know that perhaps they don't have the the character that warrants being in the squad in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that.
1: Uh, next question: When will a Huddersfield Town play next player next play for England? How Jake Livermore got called up and not Hog is beyond me. And that is from Jacob Rogers.
0: Yeah, Jake Livermore. I don't know what Gareth Southgate sees in him. Um, I think there are better English midfielders out there who he could have picked. Um, I won't name any names because we'll get into a massive debate. Um, but there is one guy who plays in a black and white shirt. A boldy guy who's quite good. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, next English England player to play for town... Well, I'm trying to think. The The English players in the town squad uh, who play regularly, Tommy Smith at right back, unfortunately he's not going to be an England player because they've got so many right backs. He,
1: he could have a very similar career trajectory to Kieran Trippier though. Trippier went via Manchester City's academy to Burnley and then got a big move after playing well in the Premier League once he'd been promoted. Yeah, so if Tommy Smith plays similarly well, and he's seen by a bigger club, and then gets an opportunity there. That's his route to the to the England team. Obviously, he won't be a town player at that point, but it's not a trajectory that's been that hasn't been done before.
0: True, um, but then I think he's going up against Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker to be an England right back. Yeah, and I think they're both young guys. But at the same time, explosive. Kieran
1: Trippier was going up against Kyle Walker and. Neil Klein at the time and the fact that he's managed to do that from a similar point of sort of. yeah.
0: I mean it's, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying never, but I it for me it, it doesn't seem probable that Tommy Smith will get an England call up, unfortunately. Yeah. Um,
1: just because of the strength
0: of the other players. Yeah, the really? strength of the other players and yeah. Um who else have we got? Hogg. Jonathan Hogg. Tomints. Jonathan Hogg, I think, is he would do a job in England's midfield. I think England's midfield is the weakest sort of part, hence why Jake Livermore's been called up. And I think Jonathan Hogg gives you something that Jake Livermore doesn't. Jake Livermore, for me, is is a very sort of run of the mill English central midfielder, whereas Jonathan Hogg is obviously a specialist at being a CDM. Whether Gareth Southgate is going to pick him is another matter. Um, because I think the emphasis now on England is picking young players who are, you know, I think the average age is is probably as young as it's ever been, but that doesn't mean that they're any good. It just means that you're sort of trusting in youth really over experience. So I I don't know. I don't think, again, I don't think Jonathan Hogg will get an England call up this season. I think if he continues to play the way he's played in the last two seasons, he should be getting called up. Um, But again... Is he 28 now? 20, 20 yeah, 29? Like, I think he might he might struggle to get an England cap as well. Like Scott Thomas Parker
1: Smith. did. That's that's a player I'd compare him to most directly.
0: Yeah, I think Scott Parker. It helps Scott Parker to go from big club to big club though because he played he was at, at West he Ham, he's not I always West been at Am, big Newcastle. Club.
1: You know, he's played at smaller well, clubs,
0: established Premier League clubs, though. Yeah, I think Hudders- one- I think the problem with Huddersfield Town players is that they play for Huddersfield Town, who aren't established in the Premier League. So you can play as well as you like, but because you're from Huddersfield Town, rather than a Liverpool or a Tottenham, you're probably not going to get the the right looking.
1: If you can get into the England squad playing for West Ham or Newcastle, though, you can get in playing for Huddersfield.
0: I think I'm not I'm not arguing that. I think you should. I think everyone should be on a level, <laughs> but I just think that. You know, the, the bigger clubs or the more established clubs in the Premier League always get a bigger look-in. Are you saying Hog to Manchester City then? <laughs> <laughs> no. <got> <laughs> I reckon um, he's
1: better than Fernandinho. <laughs> yeah, Torre can learn a thing or two about a slight <laughs> tackle from Hoggy. Um, Who else have we got? I think the... Honestly, it's the, possibly. the most realistic answer is probably Ryan Schofield.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: He's already in the system. He's already a fantastic it, it,
0: prospect. He'll probably be in the keeper at some point, definitely. Doesn't it depends I, whether he's going to be at Huddersfield Town when that happens. Yeah, so. but he's, he's... He's obviously very, very in, it held in very high regard by yeah. Huddersfield Town and England. Mm. He, he's
1: playing above his age group already,
0: isn't he? Well, he's 17, he plays for the 21s. <laughs> <laughs> That's outrageous. Yeah, He's a giant child, though, isn't he? Yeah.
1: like Not in terms of his attitude, but like he's actually a child he's like 18 years old and he is massive yeah so uh he's only going to fill out and mature and yeah. he's not finished puberty yet so there's a lot for him to to go through and finish i don't mean to sort of talk down to him but sort of you know he's not yet a man and he's playing for a men's team so it's that's a fantastic sort of yeah. you know sign for him and his future yeah um what position do Town need to strengthen in January, if any? That's from John B Max. I think we touched on it slightly, but yeah, wingers, uh, ten. No, number ten, I think, is probably the most centre back important. Stankovic is on his way back, isn't he? We've got yeah, Stankovic certainly. in Heffley. Do you think with those two coming back from injury fairly soon, we'll have four centre backs?
0: Plus Crane, who can play there as well.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know. I think. The only, the reason that I would say bring in a centre-back is that you've had two who have been out for a long time. Yeah. And you just don't want to be in the situation again where you've only got two recognised centre-backs available for selection. And with Schindler suspended. suspended, it's now going to be Craney and Zanka next time and you've got zero cover. They might have come fill in. We've you can fill him. in but you don't want to play like say you say, don't want to start
1: a Premier League game with Dean Whitehead exactly at centre
0: back you just don't want it so no I, think, I reckon another. there is a morbid to... part of
1: me that does want to see Dean Whitehead start because I genuinely think he might get a yellow card within about 30 seconds yeah because there are some things guaranteed in life tax, and Dean Whitehead on a yellow <laughs> yeah definitely I mean, that's not a bad thing. I genuinely enjoy Dean Whitehead siding someone down. It's one of the the, the finest sides in football. You want him doing that as centre back. You want him doing that centre
0: midfield. No, If you
1: think Schindler got sent off for doing something (laughs) silly, (laughs) Dean Whitehead will be up there. Fantastic, fantastic player. Um, Was the. This is the last question. Was the rotation with the full backs on Saturday purely tactical or down to form? And is Danny Williams an option at the back? That is from Gavin Castle.
0: What was the first part of that question?
1: Uh, was the rotation of the fullbacks on Saturday purely tactical or down to form?
0: Mm, I would say tactical. Yeah, I'd agree. I think um, Chris lover has been better um, since his sort of couple of dodgy games at Tottenham and Swansea. Uh, not Swansea, Tottenham and. Uh, whichever other one it was. Um yeah, I think he's looking back to his sort of normal self now. Uh Tommy Smith has been pretty decent. Yeah, that was that header against Liverpool which was questionable for the first goal but penalties it, it was as well. kind of Yeah. Um but I think the header was a bit unlucky as well. Have you seen the um
1: feet. the tunnel cam that Liverpool have done? it's quite interesting because David Wagner at half time is obviously shouting at the referee on the way back down he said if you give one of those there's you know penalty every game sort of a thing and the referee sort of shrugging in his general direction and then the end is quite a nice line from Jurgen Klopp because David Wagner comes out to see him and give him a hug and everything and uh, Klopp says to him something along the lines of, I didn't know it was possible to park two buses in front of the goal, uh, which is obviously a joke between friends. I don't yeah. think he'd be saying that to any no, of them. Jose Mourinho. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although that is, again, the truth. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, it, it's tactical, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, tactical. I think um, West Brom, their strength is probably in their wing, their wingers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know Matt Phillips and Nassau Chadley, even though he didn't play, they've got pace going down the sides, and I think Scott Malone and and, and I give you that pace to sort of counter it. Um, so yeah, and I, I, I really like the way and I plays, and I think Malone's a good uh, a good deputy for Lever as well. So yeah, a, ta- a tactical decision and one which obviously paid off. I it?
1: uh, it's comparable to how you know. Tottenham use our full-backs because the energy and how fundamental they are to both the defensive needs and the attacking needs and giving natural width because Huddersfield play with more inverted wingers coming inside they provide the width of the top, that's why Kachunga and Smith work so well together uh, that's why so many people want to say Malone play over Lever is because he gets forward more, although I'd agree that he's a fundamentally secondary defensive player compared to Lerva. I don't think there's much argument uh, where that's concerned um, but you see the same I mean Karen Trippier and Sergio Ria swap almost every game Ben Davies and Danny Rose swap in and out every game there's no real uh, knowledge of who is first first choice there because you know the players go in and out of form and they're playing so often that you're really not worried about seeing one or the other player. I think if if Town can get to that place where Hadejanae and Malone are able to come in and relieve pressure and stress on Mm -hmm. Lover and Smith because you're right to point out the fixtures they've had because the amount of running they must have done against Liverpool and Man United are so heavy, the amount of concentration as well. Their legs have been far heavier than the Alternative's. Um, and you need the alternatives at some point to come in and and, uh, play football. Coming into Christmas where there's more games where there isn't, Uh, January where it's exactly the same when the Cups start kicking in, you need to be able to, to rotate and I think it's a good idea now after the first sort of 10 games of the season have gotten out of the way where players will start to be feeling fatigue now To start that rotation policy now and and start it going because that's what we saw last season as well. Uh, Maybe not as directly, but there was certainly, it wasn't the same 11 every week, and it's it's not going to be this season either because of the intensity and the energy that David Wagner demands from his side. It's just physically not possible unless you're a a centre back or a goalkeeper to really do that week in, week out.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree with you.
1: Perfect. Um, and the last question is, And is Danny Williams an option at the back? Because obviously he came in, played three at the back, filled in in the middle of the seat, three at the back. Um, yeah. He's played right back against uh, Crystal Palace as well, so mm. utility man extreme.
0: Yeah, um, I think he can do a job at the back. I think you lose some of his strengths, though, if you do play him at centre-back. Uh, I think he's a good carrier with the ball. Um I like how aggressive he is in that central midfield role. He goes to players and and tries to make things happen. Tries to take the ball off them. I think that overzealousness might not work at centre back um, because you know you're you then giving fouls away closer to your goal um, if you do foul someone. So for me, although he is an option uh, and definitely could play at centre back, I do think you would miss his sort of dynamism if he if he did move backwards. I think in centre, central midfield. Alongside Aaron Moy and possibly as well Jonathan Hogg, if they're going to the four-three-three, I think it works really well because they're three very different players, and Danny Williams gives you that energy um, in the centre of the park. To and and Andy can run the opposition centre midfielders into the ground because he's got so much energy, so so sort of fit that I think he can do that. Um, whereas at centre back, it's much more. About positional play and being in the right areas at the right time, and I think he's probably got the nous, but I think he's just more suited to a central midfield role.
1: Yeah, I think that's very much needs must, isn't it? In that case, uh, especially when three at the back isn't really going to be the the choice yeah. unless you get a player sent off and everything like that. So, I don't think that's something we should expect too much going forwards. Mm. Uh, but that is everything. Uh, Beer fifty uh, two, five pound ninety five no postage that is the postage sorry you don't have to pay the 24 pound create charge um code is Huddersfield on the website Rory can vouch for how good the beers are yeah pretty decent which has been your favorite so
0: far uh there was a a Coco Porter in the last box that I got oh
1: that sounds uh exciting it's gorgeous uh, from me, given it's my last one, I just wanted to uh, thank you very much for everyone who's listened, subscribed, and interacted, and said nice things over the course of putting it together and everything. It's been really fun. Uh, it's probably been the most fun part of my time here, sort of getting the opportunity to. Thanks, mate. Uh, it's not to do, nothing, <laughs> nothing to do with you. This is all my hard work, <laughs> getting to put uh, put this together and sort of have the infrastructure there in place and be trusted to do so. And the fact that it's been enjoyed by so many people and everything obviously means a lot. Uh, you're in good hands when it comes to Rory. He's been taught by the best. Uh so Mel yeah. Uh, it should be fine. Uh, and... Yeah, it's been a, a pleasure from my perspective. Rory, is there anything you're planning on changing or doing when you take over this seat? Are you actually going to sit in my seat when you uh, host?
0: You yeah, gonna... definitely. Yeah, I'm going to buy myself a throne for this room and just change it. Big pictures of me all over the walls. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, I'll try and uh, fill in, fill your, your shoes, <laughs> do my best um, Yeah, and try and get some some other people on and hopefully keep the podcast going from strength to
1: strength. Excellent. I look forward to listening to it as a as a point. I'm lying. I'm never going to listen to it again. <laughs> I hope it fails without me. <laughs> uh, but not.
0: We're now too big to fail. Yeah.
1: This podcast. It's, yeah. It's or I'm Ferguson and you're Moyes and uh, oh God. <laughs> oh, the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> the chosen one. Yeah. I've appointed my successor. That should never be the case. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Also, just thank you very much for everyone that's listened and subscribed and everything. It it does mean a lot, and all the the positive feedback and everything. That's uh, it's been nice for us too, I think during this period, yeah. and it's going to be nice yeah. for you taking onwards for yeah. to do that. So, um, Rory, I won't speak to you on Monday, but you'll do the podcast then.
0: Yeah, I'll speak to uh, all you listeners. Ik wil de allernieuwste aller telefoon,
1: maar
0: niet omdat het moet. Nu bij Tele2, de Huawei P20. Omdat het kan. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou.
1: Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.